Listener Production. Hello, welcome back to Koshy's Easy Steps to Financial Success. I'm David Kosh, and as you know, I'm on a mission to help you fulfil your financial dreams. In this episode, I'm going to continue to guide you through the process of getting your tax right. In the last few episodes, I took you through my tips for getting organised at tax time, choosing the right tax agent, and how to make sure you're paying just the right amount of tax, not too much and not too little. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, you might want to start with them before listening to this one. Because in this episode, I'm going to take you through how to invest in a tax-effective way. Now, this doesn't mean you have to be a millionaire to be interested in this episode. This is all about how to save or invest spare cash in a tax-effective way. You can squirrel away all the money you like, but if most of the proceeds go to the tax man, then you need to think of a better way. This is what this episode is all about. How to save and keep a lot of the proceeds for yourself. So when it comes to investing in tax, let's start with the big one first. For most Australians, the family home is their biggest investment. So it's important to know your home or principal place of residence is capital gains tax-free. But before getting too excited about it, remember you have to meet a few conditions to keep the tax man happy. Firstly, you have to live in the home. That means if where you live is owned by a family company or trust, you'll miss out on the capital gains tax exemption. Next up, only one exemption is allowed per family. So that means that a married couple can't exploit the capital gains tax exemption by claiming separately that they each own and occupy the dwelling that they actually live in together. So subject to a few exceptions, you can only claim a complete capital gains tax exemption if you've lived in the home at all times since it was bought. If you move out of your home and rent it out under the law, the property is still treated as your principal place of residence for a period of up to six years. If you sell the property within this time, you'll be exempt from paying capital gains tax if you profit from the sale. And, in theory, you should also lose part of the capital gains tax exemption if you've been using a spare bedroom as a home office. But, as I mentioned in the last episode, the tax office is a bit flexible on this one. But be aware, the tax office is targeting people who have Airbnb'd a room and not declared that as income. And there's no hiding from this because Airbnb have to send the tax office all their electronic data recording every booking and income they've made on your behalf. So that means that the tax office computer will match the data from Airbnb against your tax return to make sure you've declared all the income. And if you claim the cost of cleaning, laundry and other expenses against the Airbnb income, then that portion of your house may be subject 
to capital gains tax when you sell it because it's become an income-producing investment. So watch out. It also amuses me that Australians seem to have a passion for negative gearing as the answer to all their tax problems, whether it's negative gearing property or other investments like shares. But personally, I think they've got it all wrong. So what is negative gearing? Well, negative gearing is where you borrow to invest. And if the loan repayments are more than the amount of the income generated from that investment, the difference can be claimed as a tax deduction and offset against your other income, which brings your overall tax down. So does it ever work? Well, negative gearing works best at a time of high income tax rates, high inflation and high interest rates. But today we have lower tax rates, inflation is low and interest rates have dropped. So in the eyes of many experts, negative gearing simply does not stack up in this economic environment. That's not to say don't borrow to invest, but do it because of the investment potential, not just for tax reasons. And make sure you're on the top tax bracket. If you're on a lower tax bracket than the top one, negative gearing tax savings are just not as attractive and frankly, not that attractive compared with the risk attached with the borrowing. And remember, the negative in negative gearing means the income cash flow from the investment is negative. You're actually losing money. The loan repayments are higher than the income returns from the investment, so you have to make up the difference by putting in extra cash to make the loan repayments. Yes, it evens out in your tax return at the end of the year, but in the short term, you have to find the extra cash to make the loan repayments. In the same vein, please beware of all these weird and wacky tax shelter investments which are advertised pretty widely. You know, the promoters which say, invest in an avocado farm or a pine forest and you'll be treated as a farmer and claim a truckload of tax benefits. Well, yes, farmers can attract good tax benefits, but these promoters usually inflate the investment price of the asset and charge huge fees for managing the investment. It's generally just not worth the risk. The tax officials I talk to warn that while a shelter may seem properly constituted and operated, a closer look at some schemes led them to disallow deduction claims and impose penalties on the investors. So don't be suckered into these types of tax schemes. If you are interested, get some good independent financial advice from a good financial planner or lawyer to make sure it's all above board. Another problem with some of them is while they may seem to offer attractive tax advantages, they fail to deliver with investment returns. And there's no point in saving tax, but losing your money at the same time. So look at the viability of the investment, as well as fees, guarantees, and the manager's experience. And make sure you receive good independent professional advice 
before investing in any tax shelter investment. But it's not all bad. Arguably, the very best tax-advantaged investment is your superannuation. Yep, your super. And what's even better is that it's so easy to take advantage of. For example, salary sacrificing allows you to benefit from tax concessions by kicking in a portion of your pre-tax salary into super. So see if you can afford to forego some of your salary each month and send it into super. In other words, you say to your boss, instead of me taking my full salary, can I have a portion of it invested into my superannuation account? You can make pre-tax contributions up to the current concessional contribution cap of $25,000 a year. And you benefit from paying just 50 tax on the contribution rather than at your marginal tax rate. So, say the boss contributes $12,000 a year into compulsory super on your behalf. You can ask them to contribute another $13,000 a year from your pre-tax salary. It's also possible to make after-tax contributions to super to bolster your balance up to the non-concessional contribution cap of $100,000 a year. And if you come into a windfall, like from an inheritance or maybe downsizing a property, you can contribute three years' worth of $100,000 into super. That's $300,000 in total. As tax has already been paid on this money, no further tax will be withheld and you could also benefit from reduced taxes on earnings in your superannuation fund. Low to middle income earners might be eligible for a government co-contribution when making after-tax contributions. And if your spouse is a low income earner, there are tax offsets available for you making a contribution to their superannuation. So if you're the major breadwinner of the family, you may be able to contribute extra super to your partner's fund. Investing in shares, which pay a fully franked dividend, is also a big tax winner. Now, I know fully franked is a weird term, so let me explain it. This is a big winner, particularly for investors who depend on income from their investments to live on. You see, a lot of our big companies who are listed on the stock market pay dividends to their shareholders. A dividend is basically a slice of the profits that's paid out twice a year. And because many of these companies pay tax at the full corporate rate, the dividends are paid to shareholders along with a 30% tax credit, which is the equivalent of the company tax rate. So if your personal tax rate is, say, 30 cents in the dollar or less, the dividend income from these fully franked shares is tax-free, but check with a share broker for good share market recommendations. So a final few tax tips when it comes to managing your income and investments. If you have rental properties, check to see if they're in need of any repair work, and if so, have the work done and paid for before June 30 in order to claim the deduction in the current financial year. Look at 
prepaying some interest on your property investment loan, but not for a period longer than 13 months. This must be done before 30th of June and under an arrangement with the financier. That prepaid interest can be offset against the current year's income and reduce your tax. And since rent on property is usually accounted for tax purposes when it's received, the deferral of rents until July will delay its inclusion as assessable income until the next financial or tax year. If you think your tax rate will be lower next year, this can shift the tax payment until then. But remember the consequences on your current cash flow. Also remember where a contract for the sale of an asset is exchanged prior to the 30th of June, any resulting profit or loss will be assessed in the current year regardless of when the sale money is actually received. Provision for a delayed settlement by the seller will not defer the timing of the profit or loss on any resulting tax liability. So if the buyer of your property or business wants to delay settlement into the next tax year, you still have to account for it in the current tax year because that's when the sale occurred. So be careful about this and the consequences for your tax. Get some good advice. If you're an investor in any assets, like shares, real estate or unit trusts, and you've sold an investment realising a capital gain, subject to capital gains tax, look at your portfolio of investments that have fallen in value. Consider selling the loss-making investments this financial year to reduce the capital gains tax gains from the profitable sales. But remember, a capital gains tax loss can only be used to offset a current year or future year capital gains tax gain. If you wait until next year to sell the loss-making investment, you'll have to pay tax this year on the gain from the good investment and then have to wait until some time in the future for another gain to offset the loss. So, as you can see, there are plenty of good, legitimate ways to better plan your tax to ensure you pay the right amount, not too much and not too little. If you want to learn more, head to my Your Money and Your Life website. There are plenty of articles and videos to help you make sure you get your tax right. That's ymyl.com.au. Good luck with your tax return. Koshy's Easy Steps to Financial Success was presented by David Kosh. Producer, Melody Ruiz. Executive Producer, Jennifer Goggin. Sound Production by Darcy Thompson. Listener.